There we go. Great. Thank you, Greg. Is that okay? I'll just get rid of this one because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. How's your week been? Did everybody um, come through the heat wave this week? (laughs) Well, apparently we had a heat wave. It did hit 30 degrees. Did it? Or even higher. Was anybody higher than that? Sorry? Ah, okay. There you go. But um, anyway, I didn't mind the weather. It's been quite nice this morning, you know, isn't it? Praise God. I reckon, as I've said every year, I reckon you could lock Gladstone's weather in at about 25 degrees and just lock it in right there, 25 degrees every day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, it's a good, amazing temperature. I reckon we'd be, um, there'd be everybody to live here if we had that temperature. <laughs> I, uh, I want to turn your attention this morning. Um, oh, by the way, did you notice, church, that there is construction has started out the side here? Yeah, woo! <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord. <laughs> It is good to get excited about that. Uh, and uh, so it's going to continue. And, uh, you know, I think it would be hard pressed maybe before Christmas, but certainly after Christmas, I think you'll find that we'll be able to function. Certainly in the new year, we'll be able to start the function in that area. And that'll be exciting because it'll just give us more room for morning teas. It'll give us more room for what we're doing this morning with lunch. Uh, it's going to be so much better, and we'd be, it'll be so good. So, so uh, great. Where, I don't want to share just one verse. Thank you, Michelle, for that water. I just want to share one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Um, Paul, uh, the guy, Apostle Paul, they called him, and he was, uh, he was speaking to uh, a group of people who had formed a church in Corinth. Uh, about five weeks ago, I was in Greece, and Corinth is in Greece, and I didn't get to Corinth. I had initially thought that I was going to be able to get to Corinth to see what Corinth was like, but I was in Athens, and just to the uh, west of Athens is quite literally Athens is here. That doesn't probably mean much to you, but 60 kilometers west of Athens is, is um, Corinth. And uh, I didn't get there. We didn't quite fit it in to our schedule, but we had, we had some time in Athens and we got appreciation for what Greece is like. Um, when we were in Greece, actual fact, we just arrived an hour and a half. Some of you heard this. We've just been there an hour and a half, and we were in our fourth story of our apartment where we were staying, and an earthquake hit Athens. Um, who's ever been in an earthquake? Who's ever had a 5.2? Any higher? 5.9. Far out. That'll rattle your teeth. What's over here? Six in the Philippines. Which island? Manila. Luzon. Yeah. What? Wow. Okay. I don't think I'll continue with my story. <laughs> I only had a 5.2. <laughs> it just shook a couple. But it did, I tell you, it, scared, it did give us a little fright. In actual fact, it was the second biggest earthquake they'd felt in Athens since 1999. 
And in 1999, they had a 7.2, and it did. Unfortunately, 145 people died. Thankfully, no one died when we were there, namely us. Thank praise God for that. But it did give us a bit of a scare, and it gave the locals a scare as well. But anyway, that was our Athens experience. There's a lot of other good things about Athens. But anyway, that was one of them. Okay, where are we up to? Second Corinthians. They're talking to uh, Paul is, is sharing with the church. It, it, well, sharing with a group of people in, in, uh, in, Ath- in uh, Corinth, and he says this, but since he's talking to them about something, he says, since you excel in everything, wow, wouldn't you like to have that said about you? Excel in everything. Great sportsman, great husband, great wife, great father, just great mother, great everything. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I haven't quite reached that uh, pinnacle, yes. But Paul says, since you excel in everything, then he kind of qualifies what he really means. And he says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled, and the love we've kindled you. So Paul talks about all these wonderful qualities. He talks about faith. He says, you know, you've got a real trust in God. I can see that. Excellent. He says, your speech, you've got excellent speech. You always speak positive. You always speak faith. You always speak thankfulness. Um, and then he says, in knowledge, he says, you've got a great knowledge. You've sought out the, the truth of Scripture. Old, they would have only had the Old Testament. And in complete earnestness, you guys are sincere. You're honest. Yeah, you've got integrity. And then he says, you know, we've love. You've got a great love for people. He says, you have done well. But, you know, they're just, it's like everything Paul says there is a precursor to what he wants to say now. He's setting them up for something. And he says, you know, you're really good in all these areas. But he says this. He says, also, don't forget to excel in the grace of what? Giving. Come on, can we say it again? The grace of giving. Excel, he says. He says, just as important in the grace of giving. I love what Paul says here. Um, uh, you know, he, he's declaring something. And the word grace here is interesting because why would you say the grace of giving? Because the definition that you and I would give the general word of grace would be unmerited favour to us. We didn't do anything to deserve, for instance, Jesus' love and his death on a cross and resurrection again and the forgiveness of sins. We don't deserve that and, and, and yet he gives it to us. And so that's a great definition of grace. Grace has a slightly different uh, understanding here because it means this. It means a divine influence upon your heart that actually is reflected in the way that you act and the things that you do. How's that? So grace means, I'll say it again, it, it's a divine influence. In other words, a godly influence upon your heart that causes you to act and do things that would display God's incredible goodness and love to humanity. It's the grace. And then Paul says that kind of grace is actually, he applies it to giving. Who knows that giving can be a powerful tool in your hand to incredibly show someone else the incredible love of God? Who knows that? It's incredible, isn't it? Just two of us. (laughs) I'm sure most of us. But it's a powerful tool. This, This Friday... I was, had a phone call. I was here at church. I was actually just walking through here. I had a phone call on the church phone, and I took it. And, and a lady I know who comes to our church, Robin, and she said to me, Pastor James, I, I've exhausted all my energies and supplies of trying to get my car, but my car is broken down. It's my battery's gone flat. And she had genuinely tried to help get other people help her, but she said, Oh, would you have any things called jumper leads? I said, You wouldn't believe it. No, I didn't say that. Wouldn't believe it. But I was thinking, I've got them in my boot. 
and I've had them there for decades. And I always use them for that express purpose of starting other people's cars because there's a great testimony when you pull up and see someone with a flat battery. Would you agree? So I've always had these jumper leads in my boot. And I said, no problem. We made a time. We met. We we. Uh, we got to her car because she had to leave it there overnight and it was at a school. And uh, when I pulled up, uh, Michelle and I went and got Robert and we went there. And uh, when we pulled up, there was a motorbike in the car, car park right in front. So I couldn't park my car up, you know, to get close enough. But I kind of edged it in. And, um, and so the car was sticking out into the, into the street and so, but thankfully, you know, cars go around you. That's okay. They could see we're trying to get a car started. And so I put my jumper, you know what jumper leads do? That you put them on the positive negative terminal on the car that needs the charge and you put it on my car, positive negative, keep my car going and then you sit in the, and you start up the other one and the battery charges up. Is that right? Who's ever done that? Basic battery maintenance 101. There you go. That's what you do. So I, I done all that and I turned the car on and guess what? It didn't start. And not only did it not start, well, actually the radio started, so there's a little bit of a trickle got through. But not only that, my 20-year-old jumper leads that obviously had better days, and it started to smoke and they actually burnt out. (laughs) So I come back around because Michelle was there with Robin and Michelle said, that was smoking. And I picked it up and went, yeah, that's hot. And so I took them off. They had it. They were kind of blowing up, but they didn't, they just kind of went up in smoke, and so to speak. And so I thought, well, now I've got not only someone, I'm trying to get this car started, and I want to get this car started, so Robin can pick up her children from school by three o'clock. But I also thought, I've now not only got a car that's not working, I've still I've got jumper leads that aren't working, what am I going to do? Now, do you know the motorbike that was parked in front of her car? Right at that moment, as I'm contemplating the world and thinking, God, what are we going to do? Dave... A friend of mine who's a Christian who goes to another church who's teaching RI at the primary school had just happened to finish and, he's, and he owns the motorbike and he turns up right at that moment. Who knows that, you know, these are not just coincidences. And he says to me, what's the problem? Can I help? I said, oh, I told him the story. He said, not a problem. He says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go and get another set of jumper leads just around the corner at, uh, at uh, Super Cheap. He says, don't do that. I'm on a motorbike. I can do it quicker. I said, okay. He goes, 15 minutes later, he comes back and he's got this U-Butte set of jumper leads. He says, I found something out. I said, what did you find? He says, jumper leads are rated for different uh, energy amounts. I said, what do you mean? Well, I've got you the best jumper leads in the world. These are a 400 amp jumper lead with a with a safety switch in it that won't allow anything to burn out and I said amazing amazing he says yours were 100 amp and that's why they burnt out I said I didn't know that and it's worked every other time anyway so we stick the 400 amp jumper leads on my batteries I could feel the power and we (laughs) stuck it on her car and I jumped in the driver's seat and the car started and everyone went hallelujah and the angels sang from heaven and everybody rejoiced and I said don't turn the car off uh, which Robin didn't anyway it was a win-win for everybody and then I, I said to Dave who's my mate from another church who I know I said Dave thank you thank you thank you so I go to get I was going to pay for the jumper leads and he says, no, 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 they're yours. I said, no, buddy, how much did you pay for them? 35 bucks, he said, but they're yours. You, the, you know, they're yours. I said, I can't do that. I don't want to take it off you. He says, no, take it. I said, okay. <laughs> so here's the story. 
Not only has Robin got her car, she's blessed because her car's now going. She can, you know, sort it out. It's going. I'm blessed because I got her car, or I helped get her car going. And I've also got now a 400, 400 amps of power in my boots. And I think, jumper leads. Isn't God, you know, God talks about blessing you tenfold. At least I got fourfolds. So I'm, she's blessed. I'm blessed because I got the car started and I'm blessed because I got a better set of jumper leads than I've ever had for the last 20 years. And Dave's blessed because he helped get a car started and he blessed me. We're all, now that folks is I reckon a divine moment that's reflected in the action. And I think that's the grace of giving just going around and around in circles. And that's a wonderful thing about giving, isn't it? See, that's what Paul's talking about. He said, there's grace of giving where you, you feel prompted by God to help someone or do something or give something. And then out of that comes a wonderful process where someone's blessed, you're blessed, they get blessed, and it just keeps on and you get added to. So now, folks, if anybody wants to ring us up, Malcolm will be here to, with my jumper leads. Have you got jumper leads? Have you got jumper leads? <laughs> you have now. I'm going to buy myself a new set. I will, I will. You, you yeah, yeah, great illustration. Thanks, Mel. It's the grace of giving, folks. It's a powerful tool. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it just, it, it keeps on revolving. You know, you, God pours in and you pour out and then he pours in more. You know, the word of God says in Malachi 3, you will not be able to contain what he wants to give to you because you give out. I love that. That's the grace of, that Paul's talking about to the Corinthian church. He says, oh, you know, you've got this whole thing of faith and speech and love and, genu- and, and, and integrity going really well, but don't neglect the grace of giving. Don't neglect it. In actual fact, I was just contemplating the whole thing and I realised that this grace of giving, just three simple thoughts this morning. This grace of giving is not just a scriptural thing, it's a Jesus thing. You know, Jesus believed in the grace of giving. It just wasn't something that Paul believed in. Jesus said it in place. Paul saw it operating in Jesus' life all the time. This incredible ability just to give. You know, the Jesus one day in, in um, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, um, he was in the temple and he looked up. Jesus was sitting in like a church services in the temple. He was just sitting probably to the left or right. And, and, and it was time for the giving part to happen, the off tithes to be brought and the offerings to be given. And, and what they do in, in temple worship was they had all these containers out the front and people would actually come and put their offering or put their tithe or put whatever they were giving out the front or in the vessels. And so Jesus was sitting to one side and he's watching this unfold. He's watching it. You probably feel a little bit uncomfortable if I walked around with, with um, teens this morning to take up the offering and watch what you put in. That'd be a bit uncomfortable, wouldn't it? But that's literally what, you know, I could have went a bit more, (laughs) a bit more. No, but Jesus was literally watching it. And so as he's doing that, he says this, 
He looked up and he saw a rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And in verse 2, he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you, then he turned to those people around him, that this poor widow was put in more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihoods that she had. So Jesus is watching. Why is he watching them? He's not watching to see. If you read this, you've got to understand it. And I think you do, but let me just remind you. He said the widow put in more than the rich people, and yet you and I literally know that's not literally true. She put in two mites worth about 40 cents of mite in today's currency, 80 cents she put in. But because of what her poverty and the very little she had, she put out of her poverty, she put incredible amount in compared to what she had. The rich men and the rich women who put money in probably put in maybe hundreds or thousands of dollars in equivalent to our currency that day. And yet they could afford it because they put in only what they thought they should put in and not out of what they had because if they put in what they had compared to what she put in, they would have put in literally so much more. But they didn't. So Jesus was not looking at them putting money money in to see the amount they were putting in, what they were putting in. He was looking to see um, why they were putting in. What was their heart like? What was their attitudes about? And thankfully, we have a God that can see into our hearts. He can see our motives, can't he? I, I, I haven't got that gifting this morning to see everybody's motives, but our God does. And so he looks at our heart when we give, and he, and he looks at the, the, the... And the woman obviously had a heart just to give her very best of what she had, where the, maybe the rich just gave out of duty. Oh, and you know what? I've given out of duty sometimes. And I think God still accepts, accepts it and receives it, but I do know that he wants me to get not to, not to be so bound by the law of giving, but to be released into the grace of giving so that my heart would be just free to be a giver and not a withholder. Because more likely than not, if I've got an attitude of duty or an attitude of, oh, I've got to do this again, um, and um, the reality is, is that when opportunity arises and there's a, there's a there's an opportunity to give or help or support or do something with my finance to give. Sometimes I'll say, well, I gave in church. I'm not going to give again. You know, I'm not going to do anything else. And, you know, that's not the heart of God. That's not the grace of giving. God wants us to be free in that, doesn't he? And not bound within our hearts of this money thing. Oh, you know, I've got to keep it to myself. God wants us to be free and release. He's not asking you to give more than you um, have. He's just asking us to be free and liberal in the grace of giving and not bound up in the law of, of uh, giving or bound up in, you know, in the realities of uh, what I call the law of giving, but released in the grace of giving. I, I love what Jesus does here and what he speaks about this woman. She was just a widow. She had no husband to support her. So she was probably one of the poor of the poor of her society. And yet she, Jesus says, you've given much. And it was the heart attitude that was reflected in her giving. I love that. You know, Jesus, you know, the Bible actually says that he prefers us to be a cheerful giver, doesn't he? Have a heart towards giving, have a heart to help. There was a little boy called Tommy. I love this documented story. Uh, in the early 1900s, he, 
he actually attended a little primary school in, in the state of New York in America. And the primary school was called Payne's Hollow. Well, actually, the little town was called Payne's Hollow. My goodness, that's an interesting name for a little town. But that's where he lived. And, in, in, and uh, his school was, had a fund going where they were going to gather some finance from anybody who wanted to give it. And they were going to buy Christmas presents for the destitute and orphans and disabled children in their little community in this little this little town and so the money was being gathered and Tommy wanted to be a part of that on a particular Friday before when he was supposed to go to school it got they had hit a blizzard hit them the his usual bus didn't arrive that day uh, so he couldn't catch the bus to school and a lot of students didn't go to school because it was five kilometers walk for him to get to school and usually the bus would take him but you know what little Tommy put his uh, snowshoes on and he walked the five kilometres to school. He finally got to school and went to the principal's office and said, sir, I'm sorry I'm late and just the bus couldn't pick us up. And the principal said, that's okay, Tommy. Many students haven't made it today because of the snowstorm. And Tommy said, I'm here for a special reason, sir. I've come to give you my money for the destitute children fund so we can buy Christmas presents. Um, The principal said, oh, okay, Tommy. And he put his hand out and he had 15 cents he put into the hand of the principal. It says it's recorded the principal at the hold back his control his emotions because Tommy, little did Tommy know, but he was on the list for to receive funds and Christmas presents for the destitute children. And yet here is the same one who was going to receive is already giving into it. And I think that's the grace of freedom and liberty in giving, isn't it? That we haven't got much, but we still, or you might have much. You might have much. In actual fact, as they say, if you've got a fridge, you're in the, you're in the top 10% of people in the world today if you have a fridge in your kitchen. So, you know, we have much, don't we? We have much. And I'm of the opinion, I pray that you'd come to this understanding that I'm actually pretty blessed and I'm blessed to be an incredible blessing where we can and to be a giver, to be a giver. It's a wonderful way to live life, to live in the grace of giving. Do you know, not only does, does the, the grace of giving uh, is a Jesus thing, Jesus just didn't promote it, but excelling in the grace of giving has an incredible releasing power for our lives. Um, th- there was a man, uh, he's called the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. Let me relate the story. Some of us know the story, but he came to Jesus and he says, I want eternal life, Jesus. How do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, and he called Jesus, good teacher. Good teacher, how do I have eternal life? Oh, Jesus addresses that one straight away. He says, no one's good. (laughs) We all need a saviour, in other words. Um, Even though Jesus was perfect. And and then uh, Jesus says, uh, what should I, you know, what do you, what do you need to do? And, and, and he says, you know what you need to do to the young man? He says, you need to keep the commandments. Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, but honor your mother and father. And the young man said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I have kept them since my youth. I've kept my nose clean. I, I, I'm a, I, you know, I've done it right. And Jesus didn't say, well done, but that's good. But Jesus says, okay, well done, that's good. He didn't say that, but I'm thinking he could have. Um, and then the young man said to Jesus, what do I still lack? And so he's done all these really good things. He's been a good citizen, an honourable young man. He's done a lot of good things. But Jesus he still knew there was something void missing in his heart. Something's not quite right. 
I've still got to correct something. He felt that. So that's why he says to Jesus, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, oh, that's easy. Just give to the poor and, um, your riches and come and follow me. And, the young, and Jesus knew exactly which button to press for this young man to respond. And he gave this young man a wonderful opportunity to be released into this grace of giving. He gave an opportunity to find not just, you know, being a good person. Because we can be good people, but who knows? It's a, it takes a little bit more than just our being a good person to have eternal life. There's got to be a heart attitude towards God and His purposes. And Jesus says, come on, give up that of your possessions and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the young man had this wonderful opportunity right there. It was a, it was a crossroads. It was the decision time. And you know, you know the story. The young man walked away sad because he couldn't give up what he had. And I believe what happened was he, he, he literally walked away from the powerful opportunity to be released, to have so much more than he had at the moment. Number one, great fulfillment and sense of I'm, I'm, I'm really am serving and walking with Jesus as my saviour. But it all came down to that one thing that Jesus nailed him on, that your heart, you've got the love of money. You love money more than you love the purposes of God. And I get challenged in that because it says in Scripture that the love of money can be the root of what? Evil. Now, we know that money is not evil. If it was, we would have nothing to do with it. If we all thought money was evil in itself, we, we should all just walk away from money, get rid of our bank accounts, whatever, uh, not have money. But, you know, you, that's not what the Scripture says. In actual fact, it, 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 there's Hebrews 13.5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's NIV. But, but, so Jesus is not saying keep yourself free from money. He says keep yourself free from the love of money. And we know that this morning. But you know what? Knowing it and acting on it and making sure that our heart is right with it is a continual process, I find. Because it can creep up on us. And that love for money can get all-consuming. Oh, you know, have you ever found yourself dreaming about, you know, I just saw on an advertising, there's an $80 million jackpot on Thursday for gold lotto or something. You know, people who know more about it than me know what's happening. But it's $80 million. And, you know, I find myself dreaming about what could I do with $80 million? I could retire. And I'm thinking, well, I don't really want to do that. There's no purpose in that. <laughs> and I could buy several cars. And I thought, well, there'd be no purpose in that either. I could give one to everybody. Now, there'd be some purpose in that. You want a car, Jeff? <laughs> but, you know, you start, and you get caught up in, the, in this thought of, of what I could have and what I could do. See, my dad used to always say to me, because he used to put his numbers in a gold casket or something, um, every, not a real lot, to be honest, maybe every couple of months. And he says, you know, when I win millions, I'm going to give you kids a million each. I said, that's, that's cool, Dad. If you do, I'll be excited, but let's not hang our lives on that. You know, let's not hang our lives on that. I remember once I left my dad, he's lived in Brisbane, and as I was pulling out of his driveway, my window was down and saying goodbye, and he, and he, and he, helped, he, put, he wanted to put, give me 400 bucks. And he said, hey, you need some money? Here's some 400 bucks. 
I said, Dad, it's okay. Give it to me when I really need it. You know where he won it? Now, once again, my dad was not a gambling man. <laughs> he just wasn't into it. He wasn't into a lot of things. He was a good man. But you know what? He'd been to the pokies, and the one time, maybe 10 times he went in his whole lifetime, he won about a 1000 bucks. And I think, how do you do that? If I went there and put money, I'd lose it straight away, you know. Anyway, he, said, he wanted to give me money. I said, Dad, give it to me when I really need it. That's fine. And, you know, I wanted to say that we can't get, you know, we've got to be careful because this television, if you watch pushing, you know, you can do this, you can have this, you buy this. If I bought everything that come on television, I'd have a garage full of stuff that probably never use. But, you know, it's always pushing. Society's always pushing. You need more of this. You need the house with the double garage and the four bedrooms and, the, and the, uh, you know, the spa. You know, whatever it may be. You know, there's always more of that we could have. You know what we need more of? We need more of Christ in our lives. And the more we have of that, I tell you what, the more you can handle what you've got. Because I find that God often says to me, you know, when you can handle what you've got, I'll give you more. And until you can handle that, I won't give you more. I often think that's the way it happens. Because he knows that our heart can be weaned off him and weaned onto other things. And we've got to be careful of this love of money. You know, the, it, it's true, isn't it? It's just the love of money. Well, this young man had a love for money and he, and he re, re, lost his opportunity. He, he, couldn't, he, he wasn't willing uh, to have the grace of giving happening in his life. And he lost the, the opportunity to be released into more that God Jesus had for him. The good thing about money is as much as it can destroy people's lives, it can have, when you have a great attitude about it, it can be incredibly powerful, can't it? And you can use it for God's purpose. And I just find a joy in that, using it more and more for God's purpose and uh, using it to bless and using it for uh, His ability. I think I'm blessed to be a blessing. Anybody else want to join me this morning? I'm blessed to be a blessing, to, to be honest. Here's the last thing, and we'll finish with this this morning. But not only do we excel in the grace we excel in the grace of giving um, uh, because Jesus did, and, and that was what he preached. And not only do we excel in the grace of giving because it has a releasing power, but the grace of giving has an opportunity to honor God. Do you know the scripture says in Proverbs 3 9 and 10, honor the Lord? This is honor the Lord. You know what he wants you to honor him with? Your life? Yeah, definitely. But it doesn't say that. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Let's just, just hold it there for a moment. Honour the Lord with your possessions. In other words, all that you have. The rich young ruler, the young man, couldn't give up what he had. But it says, you know when we, do you know it says in Matthew 25, verse 40, you know that Jesus actually said this. He says, you know, when I'm thirsty, or when I'm naked, when I need food, when I need company, I'm in jail. Um, you visited me, you looked after me, you helped me. And the disciples say, Jesus, when did we ever do that for you? We've never fed you or, uh, you know, when you, were, you know, we've never been to you in prison. We've never clothed you. He says, whenever you do it for the what? The least of these, you do it for me. It, 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 can you see? In other words, when you see the need and it's within your power to meet it, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. I love the fact that this week, Jeff, you, you saw a guy on the, on the side of the street and you gave him what? You just went and bought a muesli. You have a muesli bar on you and you fed him a muesli bar. Did you know Jesus was right there? Apparently you're feeding Jesus. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? You're doing something for Jesus when you do it for the least of these. 
someone rang me up this week and said, I just need a hot meal. Um, I said, no problem. Um, I'll get Pastor Malcolm. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was 8 o'clock at night, and uh, I was a bit tired, and uh, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Shame, hey. But you know what? I went down to the spa, and I bought a nice hot meal, and I went and dropped it off to the person, and uh, it was all good. And, um, and I didn't do it for the illustration of this sermon. <laughs> I actually just did it because I thought that was the right thing to do. It was within my power to buy a $6 good homemade meal. You know, I, 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 I just find that I keep the love of money far from my heart when I continually make sure that my money is available to be used of God, you know, and to, be, and to serve his purposes. Um, and it just says, honor the Lord with what you have, your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with what you have. You know, I often see what I have as an opportunity. Do you know what I have is not mine? It's always, always God's anyway. He's given it to me, so why not use it? You know, and you'll even lend your stuff out and it might get a little bit wrecked or destroyed. Would you get over it? Don't hassle. I once done that many, many years ago and I thought that was the wrong thing to do. Got upset because I thought, no, nah, it's not an issue. It's not mine. It's God's. And he'll take care of it. You know, that's, so we can honour the Lord with our possessions. I know this scripture in Proverbs also says this. and with the, It says, honour the Lord with what? The first fruits of your, if we go, your, all your increase. So your barns will be filled in plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Just notice what it says, honour the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. Now here's a, a scriptural principle that, uh, we can bring into New Testament times because we live in New Testament times because it talks about, see, Israel, it, it, all the Jewish people in their day, in their f- f- um, what they used to call first fruits offering, it was simply this, is that they'd find that their crop, whether it was their olive grove or their um, you know, grape vines or it was their um, you know, uh, date palms, the f- at the start of the season, all the first fruit would come on and they knew it wasn't even something that they kind of, um, you know, questioned or balked at. They just automatically would take the very first of that fruit from all of those plants and they'd bring it into the house of the Lord, bring it into the temple and present it to the priest. They, they knew to do that. And you know what they were doing when they said that? They were saying, God, we bring the, the very first fruit, even though... The latter fruit hasn't came on yet, but we're believing that God, as we give this, that you will be our provider and our provision for the rest of the next 12 months. That you would look after us, God. That you would provide for us, God. And that the grapevine will be full of grapes and the date palms will be full of dates and the olive groves will be full of olives and uh, everything will be provided for us for the rest of the 12 months. Until next time, we do it again, another 12 months. And it's called the first fruits, the giving of the first fruits in Israel's history. I want to say that we just practice it in our church. Some churches call it just miracle offerings or whatever they want to call it. We just call it a first fruits offering because I just simply believe and I've lived by it for 25 years and I find an incredible blessing to me to give my first fruits every year at a certain time and then to honour God and to be released in the grace of giving through first fruits. We're going to do it again this year. 
I've actually had some people saying to me, oh, when are we doing our first fruits? When are we doing our first fruits? And I said, yeah, we're going to. So we're going to actually take it up at the start of October. So that's in another three so weeks. Uh, and you're welcome to join with us. It's up to you. It's a free will offering. No compulsion on our part. But I just want to see you blessed. I've continually risen my first fruits. I've, uh, what I mean by that, that's not very good English. I've continually upped my first fruits each year because what I say is I say, Father, it's not what I earn now for the year, but what I want to earn. I want to earn more for the year so I can have more to give more. And I've seen God up my income as I've given that first. I, I give a week's wage, okay? I'm just, not only me, lots of people do in our church. They give one week, but I don't give of what according to what I've got. I, I give according to what I want to earn so that I can have more to be, create a blessing. You might think, is that really true? Yeah, that's, that's just honest. I don't give to get, but I give. So, you know, for instance, if you say I want to earn $52,000 for the year, that would be $1,000 a week that you were getting. That would be great in the hand. So that means you could give $1,000 if you wanted to be a part of the first fruits. I mean, in the end, it's up to you what you give. But if you want to earn 104th, you know, so if you want to up it a little bit and say you're earning 100,000 and you want to earn 104, you could give two, that would be $2,000 a week that you would earn. That'd be wonderful, $2,000 a week earning that amount of money. Wow. So you could then contemplate, well, I'll give $2,000 to earn in the first fruit. So it's, once again, it's you. Now we give that towards something each year. We, we give it towards the work of the Lord usually here and then somewhere in the state and then somewhere in missions. But you can participate with us and we'll reveal that to you as time flows on and as time goes. But first fruits is a powerful thing that we practice in the life of our church and we give you an opportunity to do that. It doesn't come to an individual, it goes out into things. And, we're, and we'll let you know where we're going to put that uh, if you give uh, I believe part of it's just going to go on. So we've got some. I've got some ideas. I want to talk to our, our team with about you know paying for our children's church rooms over here. We're going to build two children's church rooms because our children's church are a little bit cramped and and uh, it needs to be expanded. So we're going to you know pay for that. If we'll talk about that with the team and then we'll get back to you. But first fruits is wonderful. You know you know you practice first first things all the time. You know when you honor people at your dining room table and. What do you do? You serve them what? First, yeah. You know, you honour you honor important people in your life or you honour your wife or you honour ladies' men when you allow them. There used to be a thing, I hope it still happens, where you actually let get ladies go through the door or what? First. Did you guys know about that? You did know about that, Ben-Hur? Thank you. Joel, you good? Great, great. But, you know, it, it does. It, it, so what are we doing when we go? Let, let the, we're honouring them. We're honouring them. We're saying they're important to us. You, you can even open car doors, Joel. <laughs> Not yours first. No, theirs first. Yeah. Just thought I'd give you a hint. Um, you're saying I honour that person. So there's a lot of things that we, we do first that are important because we're honouring that moment or we're honouring that person, we're honouring that situation. When we put our first fruits, I believe there's an opportunity. There's other ways of honouring God. But I'm just saying here's one incredible opportunity uh, to honour God and that's with the first fruit. Wonderful. The, 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 the Word of God says this in 1 John 1, 4, 9. We love Him because He first loved us. 
Jesus Christ just went all the way for us with no guarantee that we would ever love him back. That's, that's incredible. That's called grace. He first loved us. He first gave his all for us with no guarantee that I would ever respond. In actual fact, there was um, millions of people in the world today that haven't acknowledged what he's done for them. But he's still hoping, he's still believing for their salvation. He's still praying that they would respond to him and receive him. Because he first loved us ever before we even thought of him. Um. But John says we love him because he first loved us. So obviously John and many others had connected with him and and said, Jesus, you are our Saviour. You are our Lord. So this morning we're going to close. And uh, I want to encourage us and challenge us in this whole area of giving. Be released into the grace of giving. It's a powerful thing to live life by. God is an incredible provider for us. And it's a wonderful way to live with the generosity in our hearts. And my prayer would be that you would not be upset about money, but you, when money is talked about, but you'd be released. There's wisdom in what we do and how we do it and how we give our money. Don't walk around just throwing $100 bills out everywhere. But it's a wonderful liberty and powerful release when you know that you can just walk in the grace of giving in our lives. Giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our money, giving of our good words of encouragement, whatever it may be. I want to just thank you, church, because last week the youth were so, uh, two weeks ago when they had a luncheon for sausages and put on sausages for us. You guys are incredibly generous. Um, they, they got $1,200 profit two weeks ago, and it's going to help so many of the youth. Yeah, thank you. $1,200 profit to, um, for the, and they're going to run it again today. And, you know, and then, and then there was someone here, uh, I don't know, we'll never know, but they gave another $1,000 towards just helping the youth, you know, get to, yeah, God's good, isn't he? You guys are good. That's generosity. And, and so I, with First Fruits, if, if, there was, if there was even 70 of us, Gave $1,000. That'd be $70,000 that would pay for something like those two children's church rooms that we need. We're, you know, and we're not quite sure. That's where I'm just thinking, but I need to talk to the team. But, you know, that's, that's really doable, isn't it? That's really doable on, on our wages. So think about that. How about we just uh, stand this morning as we close? That'd be great. Let me just pray for you today, hey? Some of us here maybe have never kind of contemplated, you know, Jesus actually asked us for a commitment to him, to walk with him, and to um, not just live our life living for ourselves through the week and then maybe just do a Sunday and feel good about life and go and live the way we want to, but he actually says it takes response and commitment and, and it takes reading his word and understanding what he's about and what he has for us and it takes a heartfelt commitment not just a head knowledge of God but a heart commitment to say yes in actual fact Jesus you coming into my life it's going to change the way I do life a bit 
because I'm not going to do that anymore because it's not going to be good for me and it's going to destroy me, but I'm going to do this. It's going to be healthy. And, and we need Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you would never knew that before. I'm not even going to ask you for any hands up today. I'm just going to pray for you. But you know that there's going to come a moment where you need to publicly respond to Jesus and say yes to Jesus. So Lord, today I pray for every person here this morning that is in that journey of understanding about you and understanding who you are and what you, you would ask of them. Because it does take a commitment. Just like it takes a commitment to be a part of a sporting team, turning up and training, it takes a commitment to be a part of your team. And I pray that you'd help us as people and those who've never responded to you to come to that understanding. That's where they need to land their life in response to you, Jesus. Through, it says, a confession of our mouth in prayer and a belief in our heart in you. Help those people to do that. But for the rest of us, Father, we're all of this in this together. And where there's, uh, would you help us in the area and this commitment and the grace of giving? Not because I've said so, but because it, it's such an incredible blessing to life to live with gener generous spirit and a generous heart. Help us, Lord. We, we get caught up in this world and the world wants to continually push its agenda of love of money and have this and have that. And help us just to be aware, to be able to see clearly the difference between what's right and what's wrong in these areas. Father, we commit ourselves to you that we would be continue. Thank you this church is incredibly generous in many ways. We help us to continue to be, Father, in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said? Amen. Come on, let's just worship one more time this morning. Sing this beautiful song as we close. You're welcome to stay for lunch this morning.